0: celebrating the connection with our pets this is animal radio featuring veterinarian dr debbie white groomer joey villani news director Lori brooks and now from the red barn studios here are your hosts hal abrams and judy francis
1: and this is the show where we spoil your pets or we help you spoil your pets because we all spoil our pets. we love them a lot they'll get all the uh the good food we'll take them for walks sometimes we'll put them in our little slings and walk them around like you do with Ladybug the Studio Stunt Dog.
2: Or her little pink stroller.
1: She does like that pink stroller. Do people she look at you, does. though, and think you're just kind of over the top?
2: Well, if it's zipped up, they don't know that that's a dog until they get closer. But she <laughs> loves it. She goes dancing around it and makes me put her in it.
1: If you spoil your pets, call us now. To my right is Dr. Debbie answering your vet medical questions along with Joey Volani the dog father. Straight ahead in the newsroom is Lori Brooks. She does our news here at Animal Radio and then right now screening your calls is Miss Judy Francis. We call her St. Francis around here.
3: <laughs> it's uh, going to go to her head. Don't it, say that. It <laughs> does.
1: It does. On today's show we have Rocky Kanaka. I just like saying his name, Rocky Kanaka. Rocky it's a Kanaka. Cool name. It is a He is, uh, well, if you watch the CW, and frankly, I've cut my cord so I don't get the CW, he has a show called Hidden Heroes that he's on. He also does a YouTube series called Dogs Day Out, where he gets dogs adopted. The dogs that you would think that would never find a home. Aw. He gets them adopted and then takes them out for a day to wine them and dine them. (laughs) Well, at least, you know, the way that you would wine and dine a dog. A dog, yes. Certainly. So he's on the show. Also, 18-year-old Tabitha Bell will be joining us. She has muscular dystrophy, and the doctor told her that she would have to be in a wheelchair by the time she got to high school. Uh, but she got a service dog when she was 12 years old. It changed her life. This service dog actually helps her navigate and maneuver around now without a wheelchair. Wow. And she's had such good success with this service dog that she's helping others with a nonprofit that she started to help those that can't afford service dogs to get one. And they're pretty pricey. They're about ten grand at least.
2: Starting, yeah. Yes. I think they're more than that.
1: So we'll get to talk to her in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. But first, we want to talk to you. Uh, oh, they're all ringing. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. This this one right here. Hi, Chester. How are you doing? All right. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today?
4: I'm calling from New Jersey. Do so, not
1: New Jersey. You know what? I could tell from your accent that you're a Jersey boy. <laughs> I, I have the team here for you, Dr. Debbie in, in particular. For your call what is uh going on
4: well i have a cat that i rescued he was homeless and uh every time he goes to eat he scratches the floor okay meal and i'm wondering why he does that
3: does he do it at before he eats or after
4: before he eats he'll look at the food and he scratches the floor okay and yeah. then he'll eat. He'll scratch it for about maybe one or two minutes, and then he eats. But it's been going on for about 10 years now.
3: How and interesting. I,
4: I don't know if he's just accustomed to it, but there's some, I mean, I've never, I've had cats in the past, but I've never seen that before. He scratches the floor. And if I put it yeah. in another room, he'll scratch the rug before he eats. So it's not <laughs> just the kitchen.
3: Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you're describing isn't unusual and it's it's very similar, um, you know, cats when they're in the litter box, they cover their waist, you know, that's okay, kind of a yeah, natural that, scratching yeah. behavior. So in this context, that kind of behavior really makes me think of cats when they are kittens. Um, in a situation where they're feeding when they're kittens, they actually need on the mama's breast area and that helps okay, to yeah, stimulate milk, milk letdown. Yeah. Yeah, so this may be some remnant of that kind of um, needing behavior that helps, you know, kind of trigger him back and takes him back to that place when he was just a right. youngin. I, I, um, I
4: I've had cats before, and I've bought a lot of books. I've been to a lot of uh, veterinarians, and they have no idea why he does this. But it's just yeah. the strangest thing.
3: Yeah, I would say that is the most likely thing. There are also cats that, in a slightly different context, that will scratch around their food bowl, and yeah. often it'll be like when there's still food in there, um, and okay. that's kind of more of a, a predatory behavior. So it's more like I'm hiding my food so nobody else comes to find it, even, even if they're not actually the only bearing their the food. House. Yeah, yeah. So that that's just one other kind of uh thought that can cause this type of behavior. But if he's doing it and then he eats all his food and he walks yeah. away, um, then I'd say it's probably more just, you know, that kinda of going back to that day when he was just a little kitten, a wee kitten, and it's just it's a happy feeling. It's it's not a bad thing, it's just he's like, Hey, yeah. It's yeah. I've never, I like I
4: said, I've had other cats in the past and I've never seen this before.
3: It's like his happy food dance. Think of it that way. (laughs) Well, awesome, Chester. Thank you so much. What a fun call. I love it. Well, this portion
1: of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents... Your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. And let's go to Donald. Hey, Donald, how are you doing? Oh, fine. Where are you calling from today?
5: Redding, Pennsylvania.
1: Well, thank you for listening in Redding. I have the entire Dream Team here for you. What's going on?
5: I have a small puppy here. It's a a cross between a poodle. Ah, Well, it doesn't matter. I can't think of what the other one is. But anyhow, (laughs) it uh, eats uh,
3: stool. Poop. Okay, yeah. Poop eater, huh? Yes. Is it his own poop or other animals' poop? Both. Okay. And, um, And you said how old is the puppy?
5: He's four months old.
3: Four month old. Okay. So yeah, that, it's, you know, kind of an instinctive thing that, you know, dogs learn um, basically because of the mama dog. That's what they do. Um, in order to keep their den clean and tidy, they actually you know ingest the urine and feces of all their newborns until a certain age, until they can eliminate on their own. So the problem is with some puppies and even adult dogs, this behavior can kind of become more of a game and more of a fun thing to do. So um, a couple things that I would definitely recommend you do. One is, you know, anytime your puppy poops is obviously immediately you pick it up. The second thing is to make sure you maintain control of your puppy when we're going outside to go potty. Um, do we go outside or are we indoor trained? Outside. Outside, okay. So, so say this is the scenario I would describe. So you take your dog outside, you accompany your dog outside to go potty preferably on a leash, and yeah. once we do the deed, we say, good boy, good boy, give a treat, a little reward, and then you take your puppy away. Um, I would not pick up the stool in the presence of the dog, because then that just kind of brings more attention to that whole process. Well, I mean, but you once you get him, my
5: girlfriend has, has a couple cats, and he even goes in the cat box.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the almond roca. They like that. Or kitty roca, as we call it. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so the big thing is that it's a pattern we need to break, um, his access and, um, that repetition of him doing it for his own stool so you know you need to do this where you, you accompany him outside um, pick up the poop um, don't pick up poop in front of your dog um, there are some steps that we can do be creative um, about um, trying to deter them to um, ingest stool and, and there are different products um, powders and chew tabs that help to impart a bad taste to their stool so hopefully they won't ingest them
1: well, well wait, wait, um, wait are those products given to the dog or are they put in the food
3: So that you feed to the animal whose poop is being ingested. So
1: you would have to feed it to the cats.
3: Well, to the cats and to the puppy, yeah. yeah. So it's something that in some households it may not be the best choice. Um, in my household, um, my dog had a problem with this, and I did a kind of a homemade uh, concoction of uh, <laughs> of uh, Tabasco um, injected inside of fecal matter, and I would pick up all the poop in the yard, and I would take one little piece of poop kibble out there, oh and my. I inject it because, you know, I'm a veterinarian. I have syringes around, and I would inject... <laughs> Tabasco sauce inside the stool. You can't just put it on top, I will tell you, because they're smart. They know if there's something icky on top, I won't touch it. But you hide it inside. That's just and plain then... mean. No, it isn't. It is. It's a. It's a harmless way to give a negative uh, feedback there. So, um, so it took a couple times, and that worked. And um, so yeah, that that's how I cured it in my household. But in the meantime, I had to make sure she always was accompanied outside. Um, if my other dog went out potty, I had to, like, run after them, make sure the poop got picked up so that the access wasn't there. Um, You know, for kitties inside, there's some... uh thoughts that I might have you consider. Um, one is I'm not normally a fan of a covered litter box, but that certainly is one way to help decrease access. But there's also, you can have little privacy um, fences that you can make or you can purchase. Um, I made mine out of cardboard, just out of a large box and kind of cut little wavy patterns so that my cats could jump over it. Um, but my dogs could not easily access over it and get to the litter box. And that would be put just maybe mm, about a, Foot and a half to two feet away from the litter box so the cats could get in, but it was one extra little layer of deterrent so that the um, dogs couldn't get into the, the okay. litter box. Um, but yeah, so those would be things to, to consider, but um, just know that it, it is a normal behavior, it's disgusting. Um, it is that. Yeah, and it does actually, you know, increase the potential for parasitic disease because once they're eating stool, you know, they can recycle and have more likelihood to ingest parasites. So, you know, want to make sure everyone is current on their deworming, both kitty and dog, so we don't have that happening.
5: Okay. All right. Thank you very much. So did much. I
3: did I freak you out on that whole Tabasco thing? You got that right. <laughs> I, I, now, what works for me may not work for everybody. It's right. just um, of
5: course. I mean, you don't have all the answers.
3: <laughs>
1: but she' pretty damn close. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. You don't want to play Trivial Pursuit with this lady here. She has some answers for you now if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Vellani. Well, this delectable serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
6: Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I'd just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet. And you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the
7: world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. People say less is more. At Red Barn,
1: we think less is better. It's what you won't find that
8: sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve.
7: Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find
1: it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity.
0: Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet.
1: It is so easy to reach out to the Dream Team, toll-free, and you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be talking to the dog father, Joey Villani, what do you have for us today? We're going to talk about the dangers of home grooming kits. Oh, I've seen those. I've seen Wall makes one, and they supposedly have, uh, like, everything you need to do a trim. Well,
9: well, you know what? I don't I don't want to um, get everyone alarmed because there are safe ones, but the professional ones that they sell for home use could be a little dangerous.
1: Okay, that on the way with Joey Valani, the dog father, in just a few minutes. Lori, <laughs> what are you working on?
10: Well, we lost a fashion designer recently, but we... Uh, may have another millionaire cat, even a billionaire cat in the world soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: okay, that's on the way in just a few minutes. Let's go to the phones. Hi, Beverly. Hi. You know what? I have the whole team here for you. What's going on with your animals?
11: Okay. Um, my cat is about 11 years old, and she was diagnosed at the end of December with hyperthyroidism. Okay. Um, she, was, she had been throwing up off and on. For several months and um, she was losing weight but I think she was losing weight because I was I had cut her food down pretty much to keep her slim I thought it would make her healthier <laughs> but uh, anyway uh, she stopped eating altogether and she was still throwing up so I took her to the doctor at the end of uh, December she um, she had a full panel of blood work and she was diagnosed with uh, the hyperthyroidism. Okay. So, and now she was put on the uh, Hills prescription diet. Uh, the doctor said that they took them 10 years to formulate that and so I put her on it. She was on it, on it for six weeks and after that she had another blood panel done. Her liberal, liver, enzymes, her liver enzyme, enzymes were better. Everything was better.
3: Oh, great. Um, Good. And was her thyroid level lower then as well?
11: Yeah. Originally, it was up to 9.4.
3: Holy cow. That was a big one. (laughs) Yeah.
11: Yeah. And after she had had her second blood panel after the six weeks of the prescription diet, it was down to 2.1.
3: Phenomenal. That's great.
11: Yeah. The doctor said that was within range. Now, the only thing she wants me to keep, my doctor wants me to keep her on this Hills prescription diet. She said there's nothing else out there for her. But reading the ingredients on this diet, I'm not really thrilled with it. The first, uh, the first ingredient is corn gluten meal.
3: Okay. You know, so. Of,
11: it's not, I don't think it's a great food. I was wondering if there's anything else that you would recommend food-wise.
3: Okay. For a cat so, with that. So this is really the only approved food out that can treat hyperthyroidism without the need of medication, Surgery or irradiation. So when we kind of go back to this, you know, everyone nowadays is all hung up on ingredients and what's in food and gluten and this and that. This food can do some amazing things for cats with this condition. So what I always kind of go back to is what are your goals in treating your cat's condition? If you don't ever want to have to worry about food and you want to feed what you want to, yeah, then we go to a different therapy. So those therapies may then be something you want to consider. Um, the great thing about the food that you're on is that, yeah, it can really work because it's Mm -hmm. so low in iodine, but it's invalidated if you feed a treat, um, or you feed canned food of another brand, anything else dietary wise that you give has normal levels of iodine. And we're really giving a super low level with this condition. So if you would say, hey, I'd like to see about the radioactive I-131 treatment, which is the gold standard for treatment for hyperthyroidism. Um, yeah. It also tends to be quite expensive, usually yeah. uh, upwards of a $1,500 bill.
9: Mm-hmm. But
3: it can be the thing that you treat them once and they don't need to be treated again. They may not ever need medications, just regular monitoring. So that may be something you consider if you, you're opposed to this food or any of the ideas about the food that may be something you want to look at Mm -hmm. um but I would say that it really depends. I have a family member who his cat has hyperthyroidism, and, um, they started off with the medication, which is in a pill form, and that was going good for a while, and then that didn't go so well for a while. Um, but the, the medication has to be, you know, lifelong if you're using a pill or a liquid. So, um, that's just another way you could consider going. You know, if you don't want the food, you could go to that kind of follow up and upkeep for the condition. So it, that's why I'm saying it's just really, I would be, if you're, what is your greatest concern? The ingredients in this food, or is there a method of treatment that you're you prefer more than the diet?
11: Well, the diet is the least expensive. That's why we try first. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I've heard, I've actually heard on your show before that uh, there were um, vets that didn't really like the hills, the hills, um, what they put in their food.
3: Yeah. And, you know, they recently had a food recall on some select diets, mm-hmm. but I, I can't say I have had a solid history, um, using Hills products, um, since okay. I've been in practice. It's not the only food I use, but, um, one of my two dogs is on a Hills diet. So, um, I have no, no qualms about that. And, you know, the, the challenge when we have therapeutic diets is that some of the rules, are totally different about how we feed them versus just general pet feeding. So when we have a food like this, they really have to go through a lot of nutritional analysis to make sure it treats the condition that is in, in in reference to, um, mm-hmm. but that it's also meets the other nutritional goals, you know, for any patient so that they don't have nutritional yeah. deficiencies and so forth. So that may mean they have to pull on different ingredients than we would for the general public. So that's why I say, you know, with therapeutic diets, I don't get so hung up on, you know, if there's a fact that there's some corn in there or there's, you know, milk or meat meal or something that, you know, in general pets, you might be more averse to. I, I hope that helps you kind of reassure you on that. But if it's yeah. working for you and it's the cheapest this option and it's you know then you know i hate to shake rock the boat i
11: guess <laughs> okay well i appreciate uh, your feedback
1: thank you so much okay, for listening wonderful. and calling today
0: you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now with the free animal radio app for iphone and android
1: i am the family dog
7: and it's that time of year again The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today.
10: This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The travel industry is a huge business. In the US alone, spending on travel hit a record 1,000. $36 billion. But a big chunk of travel spending isn't for people. It's for their pets, right? It's estimated that 68% of U.S. households, or about 85 million families, have a pet in the U.S. And when those pet parents all hit the road, they can either take their pet with them or have someone else take care of the furry family member, either somebody coming to your house or at a boarding facility. Well, luckily, Businesses are all over stepping up to meet this new big, huge demand. These include airlines that offer both in-cabin options for about one hundred and twenty five bucks each way for small dogs and cats and the option of shipping pets in the cargo hold, which uh, prices there can range from about fifty to 500 bucks one way. Usually depends on the size of the animal. Over 2 million pets and other animals are transported by air every year in the U.S. However, there are some other options, like Airbnb. They have pet friendly listings and lots of them, and many hotels also allow pets, and the traditional depressing kennel boarding situation has really gone upscale in many areas these days. So what do pet owners do when they can't or you know maybe don't want to take their pet? Well that's where pet resorts or these newer high-end kennels come in. One of the chains is called D-Pet Hotels. It's in Los Angeles. They've got a couple of other outlets in Hollywood, one in New York City, Austin, Texas, and Scottsdale, Arizona. They offer boarding and daycare, grooming, and even chauffeur and boutique services. Kind of everything you could ever want for your fur child. For boarding, you can get a 4 by 9 suite, which contains a regular dog bed and a TV, which is, of course, tuned to Animal Planet. But, you know, I don't like that, to have Animal Planet on for my animals when i'm not there because i'm afraid (laughs) that they will go through the tv right um you can also by the way get this sensational suite it's a 12 by 12 room for the dog uh, with a twin bed and a tv or their uber suite has a 12 by 22 i believe it's got a queen size bed in it and a 42 inch tv I think that's about the size of my bedroom, queen-size bed, TV, everything. (laughs) Pretty amazing. I went to their website. I looked up for prices, and there weren't prices listed online, but I bet they are close to an arm and a leg. But also, they offer a chauffeur who will come and pick up your dog for the stay at their hotel. And depending on what you order, you will pay for But they will either come in a regular vehicle or a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, a Bentley, a Porsche, or a Rolls-Royce. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Duke, the four-term ceremonial dog mayor of a town up in Minnesota, has gone to the Rainbow Bridge. He was a 13-year-old Great Pyrenees. Pretty good age for a dog that big. He made national headlines for being elected the dog mayor of Cormorant Village four times. He acted as the village's ambassador to the public, although Duke did have to retire last year because his health got bad. And you've probably heard that fashion designer Karl Lagerfeld has passed away. His cat, Chopetz, is expected to inherit at least some of his fortune. Prior to his passing, the 85-year-old Lagerfeld told a French magazine that his cat is an heiress. Lagerfeld had an estimated net worth of up to $300 million. Mm. And uh, those who know him say his cat will likely inherit at least a portion of that. That's a lot of sardines. That's a cute cat, too. I'm sure she won't have anybody, uh, you know, not wanting to take care of her. I'm sure a lot of (laughs) close friends and family will be saying, I'll take the cat. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com.
0: Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
1: What's up with Diesel? Diesel won't let me play with his squeaky toy anymore. Is it because I hog it too much?
10: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. To cause be honest, yes. Because
1: <laughs> you're always running around the office with it. Like I said, try it. Try it once. The dogs, they're onto this. They know <laughs> Try putting the squeaky toy in your mouth and getting it to squeak and running around with it and see how your dog reacts to that. We're going back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. But first, our next guest, you've seen him on CW's Hidden Heroes, and he has a YouTube series called Dogs Day Out. We welcome Rocky Kanaka to the show. Hi, Rocky. How are you doing?
8: Oh, great. Hey, thanks for having me.
1: So I, I got to say, I've cut my cable so I don't get the CW. So I <laughs> No worries. I, I have not seen the show on uh, the CW. But however, I do have YouTube and I've seen the Dogs Day Out series and it's phenomenal. Really great. Please tell listeners what it's all about.
8: Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Dogs Day Out is uh, a show I created so that I could be closer to the pet loving community. And it really has a simple premise. I, I grab a dog that is just down and out or as, is at a shelter or a rescue. I take them out on the best day I could possibly muster up for them. And, uh, and we do all that, not only to give them the best day, but also to uh, try to raise enough awareness so that we can help that find that dog a home.
1: So when you say you take them out, give them the best day, what is, what is that? Is that like hot dogs and bacon or what is that?
8: <laughs> you know what? I, I like the way you think because that's, that's exactly what I do. I, I work to think like a dog. So, so I think about what, what would a dog like? And, and, you know, one example is I had Herschel and he was a giant German shepherd and he had never seen the snow. So so we went to the snow for the first time, or uh, I had Wade, a little Frenchie that loved balls, and so we, we built a giant 20-foot, 10,000-ball uh, uh, ball pit so that he could jump in it and chase all the balls. Uh, so we do we do fun things like that that are just over the top that dogs just really love.
1: Now, you've also made this so the audience could participate.
8: That's the neatest thing. So, so you know, I've got... Uh, TV show, I've done TV shows before, Save Our Shelter, that on Netflix, and like you said, a Hidden Heroes on The CW, uh, I've been able to be lucky to be a part of. But what I really love about having my show, Dogs Day, out on YouTube and Facebook is the, this pet-loving community, they jump in and they get involved. They, uh, a lot of the ideas I come up with are ideas from, from the fans. They help share a lot of this content so we can work to get these dogs adopted. Because you, you can't always donate, you can't always run to a shelter to save a dog, but it's really easy to hit that share button and you just never know who's going to see that. And and that's going to be that dog's new family.
1: It's a brand new world now. Dang. Finding homes. It, yeah. It so, really is. It really is. How many dog day out episodes have you done so far?
8: Oh, you know what? I, I lost track. Probably probably about eight to ten. And we're, we're trying to do a, a lot more. But it, uh, it you know, we really, I really focus on giving that dog all the time and attention it sure. deserves until we find a home.
2: How many of those dogs were adopted after that?
8: Uh, you know what? Great news. All of them. Uh, one is we, we got to work with this dog and uh, they needed to go to a sanctuary because they needed some extra love, care and support. Uh, they were blind, having behavioral issues. But but I uh, all of them have been adopted and then and then one's in a, in a much better place now.
2: Awesome.
1: Well How do you pick them? Because there are so many down and out <laughs> dogs. You can walk into any shelter in any city and see so many dogs that just need a home.
8: Yeah, you know, that that, in fact, is the uh, what keeps me up at night and the disheartening part is, unfortunately, there is an unlimited amount of choices to pick from. And I haven't really figured that out. I am you know, I'm a business guy at heart. um, But in this situation, I really just kind of let my heart lead. And and they they often find you. Um, One of the dogs, uh, Herschel, I had mentioned that he saw the snow for the first time. He had he had been locked up in a backyard and just neglected for five years of his life. When I got to him, you know, I I work with a lot of dogs and so I expect in these situations they're gonna have behavioral issues, they're not going to be trusting. It's gonna take time. I don't just I don't always just pick up a dog and run out. I will take weeks or months to work with that dog sometimes. And with Herschel, I couldn't believe just how loving he was and 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 kind and just so happy, even though he'd been mistreated for so long and so so I really took him and did a lot of firsts with him. We went and saw the ocean for the first time. We went and saw the snow for the first time. And I just let him be a German shepherd. And it was just so rewarding seeing his over-the-top reactions to all this because it, it was so much just coming at him that he'd never seen before. And it was a real joy getting to be a part of that. Do you have any personal dogs? I do. I have uh, – right now I have three, uh, sometimes more if I'm fostering. Mm-hmm. That's, kind of the, that's kind of the pack right now at my house.
1: So I, I assume of those three might have
8: been a foster failure or two. Yeah, that's I, I'm the worst when I, when people leave me comments and say, "Oh, you should adopt him." I like I, try, I ignore those comments as much as I can because otherwise I'd I'd go to jail for hoarding dogs.
1: <laughs>
8: okay, so what's the easiest way to check out Dogs Day Out? The easiest way is my channel, uh, Rocky Kanaka, on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, just drop a note in the comments, say hello. I respond to as many of them as I can, and I, uh, it's really a fun community, and that's how you can find me.
1: And how do you spell Kanaka for those listeners that uh, don't have it right in yeah. front of them?
8: Uh, yeah, it's K-A-N-A-K-A.
1: And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Rocky, thanks so much for spending time with us today. My
8: pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi,
4: this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio.
10: Please stay and neuter your animals.
4: Thank you.
7: If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584 247 1584 877-247-1584 Hi, this is
2: Joy Behar on Animal Radio. Please spay and to your pets.
0: Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It is once again time for Joey Bellani, the dog father here on Animal Radio. You can call him, speak to him, toll free at
9: 1-866-405-8405. How you doing today, sir? I'm good. They can call and speak with me. I don't bite, you know? I mean, just, just my um, clients do, not me. <laughs> my clients not, bite, uh, not me. Um, so, you know, I want to talk about um, uh, something that's actually been irking me a little bit, and those are home grooming kits. And um, a, a company had asked me if I would um, actually do an article on a home grooming kit, and I told them no because I don't think anyone realizes um, what actually can happen um, in some of these home grooming kits. Um you know, they sell clippers, they sell, um, scissors, brushes, combs, and they have the, the general home ones, which are easy to use. But then you go into some of the stores and they're using the same equipment that we are, and they're using professional clippers with detachable blades that anyone could buy. And to be honest with you, it's real easy to cause injury, excessive burning, or just cutting of the skin, and I want to explain that. So what a lot of people would do is they think they're going to um, save on um, grooming charges because they can go out and buy, you know, for $250, they could buy basically um, the main part of, of the grooming kit, and after using a couple of times, it's going to replace going to the professional groomer. What a lot of people don't understand, the things that we are trained to do, and what ends up happening is they cause major injury. Now, a detachable blade clipper, if you don't realize, and I've read directions, I've read and nobody talks about it, that blade can get up to 150 degrees plus because of how it's moving, exactly, how it's moving, and you have to pay attention to it, so if you don't use the cooling sprays and the oils, you're going to severely burn your pet. And depending on what type of blade you use, I'm talking about um, stitches, go to your professional groomer, have it done right. Don't buy these grooming kits because I'm going to tell you it's going to cost you a lot of money, not only for the product, but also in injury cost.
2: You know, I think everybody thinks that they can just pick up a clipper and cut a dog. I mean, how hard can it be? And I was at a show one time and they had a stuffed animal (laughs) with clippers and they let me try it. That's (laughs) the first time I ever touched a clipper. Oh, my God. And the last time. And the last time. Was it the last time? Yeah. Oh, that poor stuffed animal was just butchered. I can't imagine. (laughs) It's
9: a trained profession, guys. and 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 they sell these like they're nothing, and and it bothers me. So I wanted to talk about it, because people spend money, and then they cause injury.
1: Hey, Mike, how are you doing? I am great. How are you guys today? Good. What's going on? Well, uh, about once a year or so, the wife
12: and I tend to lose control of our Himalayan blue point cat's hair. It gets a little bit clumpy, and we end up having to go and get a lines cut for it, trim it all the way down to the to the beginning again. But um, it's close to that time now, and we're wondering if there's anything that the master knows that we can do to try and unclump some of the clumps that we might be able to save having to trim them down. We'd rather even, you know, the way he's supposed to be, although he's very cute the other way.
9: Well, Mike, first thing you want to do is, is go in with a comb and just take the edge of the comb and lightly go underneath the matting. And you're going to work it out little by little by little, okay, just taking out small pieces. So it's almost as if you're going underneath the knot, and it's going to be, hmm, the best way to explain it is is, let's say I was carving something out with a knife, and I'm just doing it little by little. Well, you're going to do that with the back of the comb. And cat fur actually doesn't hold like dog hair. It's going to pull out a lot easier. And what you'll do is you'll work it out until that mat basically comes off. Now, unfortunately, it's probably going to leave a little bit of a hole, but it looks a hell of a lot better than doing a whole line cut because usually once you start breaking it up, it comes out easy, and then it will just release where most of the hair should stay, but some of it's going to come away. As you're doing this, you may want to spray the cat with a detangling spray that you can buy in any pet shop that's made specifically for cats. Now, what that's going to help do, it's going to help moisturize a little bit, help remove the, the, the fur a little bit more, okay. and, and work it out little by little. It's definitely a two-person process because if your cat doesn't like it, they're going to let you know. But you don't want yet. that to be... <laughs> You don't want that to be a situation where you know what they're taking you to the hospital because cat bites can really do that. So you want someone to hold the cat by the scruff of the neck, which is extremely important. If the cat is, you know, just doesn't like it, you know what? Leave it to the professional because also you don't want you don't want to hurt the cat. But I find that better than any brush, any type of miracle spray. Use the back of that comb, get underneath that that mat, and work it out little by little. And that's the best advice I can give you for that.
12: Actually, that's great advice. I haven't tried that, and I'm at a pet store right now where I can buy some detangling stuff. So that's pretty convenient and good timing as well. Um, Is there any chance I could ask you also about dander on uh, a long-haired cat? Is that that spray that you mentioned might help condition it some? Is that the right thing to be there too?
9: Well, the conditioning spray would work. It depends on how severe. Sometimes it's a dietary problem. Other times it depends on the heat in your house. If you have forced hot air heat, a lot of times that will bring on dander, and that spray will work wonderful. Um, if it's not an arid type of, of you know area, whether it be in your house or outside, then it's probably dietary, and then you may want to you know try different foods or, or supplements in your kitty's food.
12: Okay. Well, that's awesome. I'm so glad that uh, I got a chance to call in today. So.
9: Thanks, Make Mike. sure, though, that the spray is made yeah. for cats. That's extremely made important. I can do that. Thanks for your call today, Mike. We appreciate All right. it.
13: Hi, it's Alan Cable with your Because We Love Our Pets Watch. Arizona safety Tyron Matthew tries to tough it out in a car with the windows rolled up in the summer heat to illustrate what it would be like for your dog. It's only been about two minutes.
0: This is ultimately what it feels like to be a dog trapped inside of a car on a hot day.
13: It's 120 degrees in that car.
0: While their owner is probably in a grocery store.
13: Six minutes.
0: I seriously couldn't imagine leaving my dog in a car like this.
13: Tyron has to bail after just eight minutes. Here's something important to remember about dogs, they can't sweat. The only way they release heat is through the bottom of their paws and by panting. So the heat is way tougher for them to handle than us. On a 90 degree day, even with the windows rolled down partially, the temperature inside a parked car can quickly reach 120 degrees. And 105 degrees is the critical mark for a dog. Their organs will start to fail at that temperature. If you see a dog in a hot car, every second counts. Dial 911 immediately.
1: Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the the animal radio studio stunt dog ladybug uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad we love how it handles number one and number two it seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us brilliant pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh all we do is replace the roll once every few weeks and the process is fast and clean in fact ladybug gives it five paws up learn more about it at brilliantpad.com mm-hmm celebrating the connection
0: with our pets this is animal radio featuring veterinarian dr debbie white groomer joey villani news director Lori brooks and now from the red barn studios here are your hosts hal abrams and judy francis
1: and we continue the celebration of our animals call us celebrate your animal now you can call asking a question for dr debbie and as i've mentioned before if you're new to animal radio she practices in las vegas you see a lot of animals in Las Vegas. You see birds. <laughs> yeah. You see pigs. You see... Didn't you Exotics. see... Exotics, yeah. You even saw a flamingo.
3: Yeah, and you've always joked about treating your pet flamingo, and you giggle about it until <laughs> we started getting flamingos coming into my office, and now you're like, oh, now you've got to find something else kind of out there. Uh-huh.
1: Um so I guess the point is is that Dr. Debbie is pretty well-versed, so even if you have a flamingo question, she can uh, probably answer that right now.
2: You know, I was going to say hippopotamus, but I don't want to jinx it. I don't want a bunch of yeah. hippo- hippos going into the office, Debbie.
1: Can you
3: imagine that? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it would probably not fit through my doors in my office. So
1: <laughs> I wouldn't want to be the intern that would have to clean up after that. That's for sure. <laughs> this hour, we're going to talk to Tabitha Bell. She has muscular dystrophy. She's 18 years old. And she was told that uh, by the time she was 12 years old, she would need a wheelchair. Instead of a wheelchair, she decided on a service dog. And that has changed her life. And she'll tell us the story about that service dog coming up on today's show, as well as tell us about the business that she started to help other people get service dogs. Wow. She's another one of those amazing youngsters. Yes, she is. She uh, just won an award, the Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes. Yay. Uh, I'm glad there are are a few great young heroes. They are our future. Who said that?
2: Whitney Houston.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What are you working on for this hour, Lori?
10: Well, um, how much exercise is enough exercise for your dog? Because a lot of people apparently don't know because they're not getting enough. So we'll tell you, we'll fill you in, and then you can decide, is your dog getting enough exercise?
1: Well, I haven't been able to exercise my dog this last week because of the weather.
10: Ah, uh, you are so <laughs> now. We'll have to see
3: because I know dogs like you know w- walked in the snow in the sleet. They it, it's it been out. really
1: cold. I'll tell you, it's near sixty here. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, have you
2: seen? Have you seen Ladybug? I mean, come on, she'd get okay, lost in a snow. Both trip. of you,
3: stop! You can put a sweater on your dog and a coat on yourself, and you can truck out in sixty degrees. <gasps> maybe even 45 degrees you could probably do it <laughs> okay
1: what she says uh let's go to line four hey oscar how you doing you
5: know what i'm doing good. a little frustrated with this beautiful little chihuahua a little oh. a de- deer head uh five pound chihuahua that i rescued just just about four years ago and she loves me and i love her she won't get me out of her eye out of her sight <laughs> you know i've had her i've had her now going on five five and a half four and a half excuse me she's about seven years old seven and a half maybe she uh, never had put a leash on her. She just loves to follow me around, and I follow her around, just go sniffing and pooping here and there. But I'm having a terrible time with her food.
1: What's going on? Okay. I've,
3: how,
5: how so? Well, I've, I've tried so many different things. I'm getting frustrated, and uh, I don't know what to do. So I'm, pe- I'm feeding her now. What I've been doing is buying fresh chicken and cooking it myself, and then she likes it one day doesn't like it the next day.
3: Mm, okay.
5: So I even got some of those breakfast steaks, the ones that are, the ones that are, you know, uh, uh, tenderized. I cook those really well, and and she'll love it one day, and the next day kind of sniff it mm-hmm. and say, I don't okay. want that. Okay. And,
3: and, and has she been I'm, eating this way, like, since you've had her, or is this something more recent?
5: You know what? It's kind of been more recent in the past seven, eight months. Uh, but before mm-hmm. that, okay. she was eating really well. I used to feed her that uh, neutral. I tried... Freshness, wellness, and all those other ones too. She didn't like those too well, but she she leans more towards beef. Mm-hmm. I even got on the internet one time, and I got uh, Doctor Mandy. You familiar with him, that veterinarian?
3: Not, I don't. I'm not sure who that is.
5: Well, uh, Doctor Mandy, he's uh, he's advertising the uh, dry uh, dog food that you. Uh, mm. He claims he did a lot of research. He's been he's been a vet for what thirty years, uh, but anyway, he uh, he says that most dogs when they're when they were in the wild, they used to go when they had a kill to eat. Of course, you know. Uh, the wild dogs would always go for the organ meat, the hearts, and the liver, because they seem to know that it gives them more energy. So he's put—that's the only kind of meat he's put into his his, uh, oh. his formula.
3: Alrighty. Plus, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of stop you. Th- is, you're, you're, I'm going to stop you there, Oscar, because as far as, um, I guess, going back to kind of the original concern you have is that if we have a dog, especially a small dog that's not always had a problem of being a picky eater, but it's a more recent concern, to me that says, I need to look at your individual pet. Um, There are certainly fussy eaters that we create by the way we feed and the drama that we create around mealtime. But that tends to be a dog that kind of has always had that pattern. So if this is really only the last seven or eight months, um, I'm going to be advocate for your pet and say we need to look at your dog and see what's going on because a small dog commonly can have problems with dental disease. Um, we can have other digestive problems that can cause issues as well that might be affecting our appetite. So um, my first word of order would be get your baby e- evaluated by a veterinarian, have a good dental exam, and see about if we need to do some lab work to check to make sure our organs are functioning normal. Um, I could do that, yeah. If all of that looks good and we're going back to diet and what do we feed, you know, this, you know, raw dehydrated food that you're talking about, you know, there's a lot of speculation and, I, and I'm, I'm not, I'll be very clear. I'm not an advocate of raw diet. I don't care for it. Um, it is well founded and well established that nutritionists will tell you that um, even the highest quality meat products have bacteria in our grocery store. So if you grab some food, you grab an organ meat, you grab chicken, you grab beef, there is the possibility there's bacteria there. It is just the way it is because all animals give off um, the different organisms, E. coli. And I, would
5: ne- I would never do that. It's I know the- what you're saying, but I would never do that. No, uh-uh. Correct. I would go with so, but what you're you
3: know? The food you're asking me about is basically a raw diet, so, my, my advice with raw diets is a little bit kind of more hard nosed. <laughs> if it's not passed in AAFCO feeding trial, I wouldn't consider it. Um, now there are foods that will have met the guidelines for AAFCO, and that's not enough for me. I want to see that they fed this food to dogs and it didn't create illness or malnutrition. So, that would be one thing if you're looking at that diet. I can't speculate on, and that was specific. Brand and how good or bad it is, but the other thing that raw diets, um, you know, even if it's the fresh raw, frozen or dehydrated, is um, you know there are advocates that say we want to feed the the rawest ingredients without it being cooked or preserved in any way, and certainly you do have potentially more risk of um, bacterial contamination. But if you're using a raw diet in a preserved state, then there are some things that can be done to make it more safe, um, so that there's less likely dangerous bacteria in there. So if If you look at your food and find out if it has been what they call HPP, it's high pressure pasteurization. So um, it's a way that they can help to kill. Um, some of these different organisms without putting it through a cooking process. It's more of a pressure treatment okay, that they okay, do. do that. So do look at that food and, and maybe just ask those questions to the manufacturer. But I would say for you, I would definitely want your baby to get a good exam and then start from there as kind of what we need to do, feed for the health condition. Sometimes it is canned food. Sometimes it is a home-cooked diet with um, appropriate nutrition. But, I you know, I'll be honest, it's a little hard for me to tell you, you know, what food you should be feeding for that situation there's more to the story here
5: well i'm sure there is and i've tried so many different things that's the reason i was prompted to call you guys and and also i wanted to find out if dr mandy was uh, a baloney or not you know but anyway i I bought a bag and i tried it and she she dove into it the first time but i'll have to admit i didn't give her hardly any treats that day so she dove into it and really really enjoyed it the next day poo poo forget it (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) turn her nose on it you know Oh, but you know, Give that baby give a good her.
3: hug for me, and I hope she, I hope she figures out what she likes to eat and what she doesn't like. And, you know, this is where if our pets could tell us what's going on, if she could say, Hey, I have a toothache. Um, I think most pet owners would raise their hand up and say, I will get you to the doctor right away. It's just that we interpret the law lack of appetite as it's the wrong food when it actually can be a medical problem so um my fingers across it nothing's wrong but you know I, I know you're gonna follow through and let us know if anything comes up
1: his chihuahua sounds about as finicky as i
3: am <laughs> oh as you are i thought you were gonna say ladybug <laughs> oh no
1: no ladybug's even more finicky than me
2: oh, she's gotten better well this
1: portion of animal radio is underwritten by red barn and during these uncertain times red barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between those video chat sessions and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and
13: Android. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Here's a dog tip for you. You're at a dog park. You don't like letting your dog off the leash. You're not certain if your dog will obey you when you call him. But what the heck, you feel bad, you want him to run free. So you let him go. Everything's going great till this one dog shows up and your dog takes off. You try calling him, but he pays no attention to you. Now think about it. What's your next step? Is it frustration? Yelling? Do you walk towards the dog mad? Body all tense? Already knowing as soon as you get close, he's going to run away? The only thing you can think of is you got to get him by that collar. Okay, let's stop and look at this. Your dog's not listening. He doesn't respect you. Dogs respond when you're secure and confident, calm, when you act like a pack leader. Now, providing your dog already understands what it means when you say come, if you can approach him calmly and put him in the submissive position below you, give him a correction right then and there, bad dog, put him on a leash, great. But if you can't catch him, (laughs) well, the odds are you're going to be frustrated. You got to fight that. Now, you probably shouldn't have let your dog off the leash because you knew to begin with he wouldn't listen to you. He wouldn't come when you called. But you did. So the point is, what do you do? What's your response? Turn the opposite way and start walking. Now, some dogs are not going to pay any attention and not care that you're gone. But most dogs are going to notice because you're walking away from them, the pack. You're giving them no attention, nothing. So what do you do when your dog does approach? Reprimand him for not listening the first time? Heck no. Every time your dog comes to you without being called and is close to you, praise him. Good boy. Because if you reprimand him when he comes to you he's never going to want to come to you. He's going to associate it with unpleasantness. Well, every time I go over there, I get yelled at. Instead of, every time I'm near that other dog, well, I get some attention. You correct them when they're doing what you don't want. You praise them when they're doing what you do want. And when they're calm, just laying there. That's when you give them attention. When they're jumping around like freaks before a walk or when you just come home, pay no attention to them. Till they mellow out, you can even say that, mellow out. When he gives you that, you praise him. Teaching your dog to be mellow and calm, that's the way to go. That's when you give attention.
7: Hi, this is Elaine Boosler on Animal Radio. Staying new to your pets and some of your exes.
1: (laughs) People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn Canned Food for Cats and Dogs is grain and gluten free.
7: Holy Education! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie Zowie. They've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To
14: the
0: Batmobile citizens. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy.
1: You should see us now. Good thing this isn't television. All of our animals are cuddled up in our laps. We've got hair all over. There's uh, fur flying in the studio right now. Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. She seems to be shedding a little bit. Just um, a, yeah. It's time of year. Look around you. See who has an animal among you, wherever you are right now. Chances are one in three, which seems kind of low, has an animal, a pet at home. Uh, there's more and more of us. However, there seems to be a... Uh, Maybe say a little argument on how many animals are in the United States. Argument? Yes, there is. You see, the, I just
2: say there's just not enough.
1: Well, that's the that's the right answer. Okay. Thank, thank you. They should have asked you.
2: Yes, they should have.
1: The American Pet Products Association says 68% of us households have an animal and that 90 million dogs and 94 million cats exist in the United States. However, the American Veterinary Medical Association says only 50% of households have a pet. And that there are 77 million dogs and 58 million cats. So who's right? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. The one thing that we can tell from these statistics mm-hmm. is that it's stabilizing. It's not increasing. It's not really? decreasing. It's not increasing. It's becoming stable.
2: Well, I thought it would be increasing.
1: You would think so, with all the millennials instead yes. of having a uh, two-legged children having four-legged children. Right. Let's file. Can we file this away? Just go ahead and file it. I like that file. The file's getting full. It is getting full. (laughs) It doesn't matter to us how many animals you have, just that you love your animals. And if you have a question for Dr. Debbie or for Joey Volani, our dog father, he's really good with the grooming of animals. In fact, he does my hair. Nobody mentioned my haircut over the weekend. (laughs) It looks very good. It does. Joey Volani special right there. And awesome he, uh, he only did, he, char-
3: did he clean the clippers after that dog before <laughs> yeah <And> more importantly <laughs> did he clean them after hal oh probably so <laughs>
1: and i got my anal glands done too it was all a one <laughs> one step anyway so if you want to talk to dr debbie right now let's uh tee up the phone lines lori what are you working on for news in 10 minutes
10: well, there's an interesting new study, and we've kind of been talking about it here around the studio all day today, about how much is enough exercise for your dog. So you know if your dog's getting enough exercise or not. But more importantly, is, is you, the pet parent, what are your excuses for not giving your dog enough exercise? And we'll tell you how much you might be like some other people who aren't exercising their pets enough. Hi, Terry. How are you?
1: good how you doing
10: very good where are you
14: i'm driving through nashville nashville
10: well say
1: hi <laughs>
14: hi
1: okay there you go how can
14: <laughs> should we probably help be you? a
3: howdy
1: i'm
14: from, I'm <laughs> from dallas though
1: <laughs> how, how can we help you out today
14: well i've got a male cat i got at the shelter about six years ago and uh, he's been in the house the whole time he doesn't go outside and i was thinking about getting another kitten and mm-hmm. wasn't
3: sure how that would go has he been a sol- yes. soul cat all this time yes so you're thinking of getting another kitten or a cat or one or more yeah. than
14: just a, just another kitten i was so i was they go to the shelter to get another one but mm-hmm. i wa- wasn't sure how how he would react or what would be the best way to go about doing that
3: Okay. Um, well, the, the biggest thing that I'd say is we're going to go young. Um, uh, the best way to acclimate a new cat into the home is really to get, um, a younger one. One that, um, we can kind of ask them to take your other kitty as, um, big brother, um, so that he'll fit into the, the kitty household. So, um, I'd say look for maybe a kitten or just a, a young, um, adult cat. And, um, that would be your best bet. Um, for male cats, I, I have had two male cats of my own. Um, uh, many people believe that to get a male and a female, that you'll get a better combination, a little happier household. But I think a lot of it goes down to the individual personality of the cat. Um, and uh, depending on what your kitty's personality is like now, um, sometimes finding a, a friend to frolic with um, just brings out all that uh, energy and they can really thrive and really enjoy having a good companion. So I'd go young cat or kitten and perhaps maybe look at a female if uh, if you're looking for to get a, a boy-girl situation there.
14: Well, I've always liked male cats better for some reason. They always seem to be, I don't know, easy going. He's just a, he's just a big old baby.
12: And,
14: uh-huh. uh, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I, I went to the shelter about every day for a couple of weeks looking for kittens. And I, I think I'd much rather have a kitten and a uh, male well, kitten. I'd
3: consider a female, you know. Yeah, and I've had I've had two male cats and so I'm I'm kind of with you. Um, you know, I just I love the dynamics. They were such good boys and I I've really enjoyed that. But yeah, I'd say, you know, look for the younger one and uh introduce slowly. Um, we don't want to kind of overwhelm either cat. So, you know, start the young one off gradually. And, um, I would make sure that, you know, your, your cat stays top cat and you respect that. So when you introduce the new one, um, you know, we're going to restrict her environment or his, his or her environment and kind of gradually work up that introduction. So that hopefully we won't ruffle any fur for your current right. kitty friend. <laughs> so yeah. That's, that's so great. make it a ni- a nice slow gradual kitty transition and and thank you for considering adoption. So many people can save a life by adopting a cat, young, old, whatever. So yes, I encourage you Terry, let's get your kitty a friend. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
14: I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio and adopt from your
7: local shelter.
10: This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. So you have a dog and you know it needs exercise. But is it getting enough exercise? Probably not, according to the UK's Kennel Club, which says the average adult dog needs at least 30 minutes of exercise each and every day to stay fit and healthy. But there's this new study out by the dog food company Fourth Glade, and it reveals that less than half of dog owners walk their dog on a daily basis, with the average weekday walk being less than 20 minutes. 20% of those surveyed, by the way, said that's because their dog doesn't like the rain. I get that. I have bulldogs. It's the same thing. It's hard enough to get them to go potty in the rain, let alone (laughs) a walk. But uh, generally, the reasons for not walking the dog or not walking him long enough were owners who said they were too tired after work, they just didn't have enough time, or they, too, wanted to stay warm and dry inside. The research also found that dog owners admitted that the main reasons related to time, or a lack of it, were that they squeeze in their dog walks around their busy life by taking a quick walk around the block when they get home from work because they're pretty tired and they would prefer to just watch TV. Some pet owners blame their dogs too, saying that when it's wet or muddy outside, their dogs don't want to go out for a walk. So it's kind of uh, not much of a wonder then that uh, a third of the dog owners surveyed confessed that their dogs are overweight. But it's not just about walking. I mean, you could take the dog into a backyard or somewhere and and throw a Frisbee or a ball, right?
3: Absolutely. And I would have to say I think less than half of the pet-owning population, dog population, actually does a consistent daily walk. I would say that number's got to be much lower in the U.S. Because mm-hmm. at least, you know, I live in an area where it's beautiful most of the time, hot some of the time, and cold on some standards, part of the time. But there are excuses that I hear all the time. It's too cold out. It's too hot out. Um, You know, it's it's too sunny out. Um So I really feel that people make a lot of excuses. You need to get your dog out walking. It's good for them. It's good for your brain. And you won't be so tired when you get home from work if you get yourself off yeah. the
1: couch Do, and moving. The people that are making excuses, are they a little bit overweight?
3: Yeah, you know, not always. I mean, but I know what you're getting at, that sometimes, you know, sedentary pet owners tend to have more obese pets um and, and we know that obesity is you know they underrepresent a third of what they think is overweight in the pet owning population we know it's higher more like probably 75% of pets are overweight or obese um so that's a totally different uh, reality i think
10: well if you if you look at the weather i mean in in our backyard i have you know there's lots of trees but you you kind of plan their exercise around the the, what time of day it is so if you have shade here or not there so you can throw a ball and you can stand in the shade and you know it's not too hot for them it it all you know i think it works out if you really want to do it yep i'm Lori brooks get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com this has been an animal radio news update get more at animalradio.com
15: dogs or cats Horse or emu, animals are people too. You've heard of Superman and Spider-Man. Well, now there's Salamander Man. Dutch police have arrested a thief. Some are calling the Salamander Man because this creepy criminal was talking himself into unsuspecting homes, saying he was looking for his lost salamander. He had also used a hamster excuse, but the salamander one was much more successful. Police had been hunting the burglar for months and once caught, the salamander man admitted to about 60 thefts. He mostly took wallets and loose cash. They found him with nine empty wallets in his car, which had been stolen the day before. This concludes this episode of Salamander Man. I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio.
0: To Animal Radio. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. <laughs> Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Alan and
1: Judy. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets, we'll go back to the phones for calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani in just a couple of minutes. But first, I want to visit with Tabitha Bell, 18-year-old Tabitha Bell. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Very good. I wanted to tell listeners a little bit about you, give, give them a little bit of background about you. When you were 12, you got a service dog. What yes. was, What was that service dog for?
6: Um, so he was to help me walk because um, my surgeon, my orthopedic surgeon had told me that I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was in high school. And around the time that I was 12, I was barely walking as it is, but I didn't want to be in a wheelchair. And because I lived down in San Diego at the time, we were right near like Camp Pendleton. They had been starting to use balance and brace dogs for a lot of the returning veterans who had become, like, partially paralyzed and um, other disabilities like that. And we decided, like, why not? Like, I ride horses. I've been around dogs my whole life. We were like, I know how to connect with an animal and get them to do what I need them to do. And so we decided that it might be a good option for me. And so that's when I got Sunny, who was a two-year-old German shepherd at the time.
1: So Sonny helps you with your balance?
6: Yes, he's a balance and brace dog. How,
1: how does that work? I've never seen one before.
6: So they wear a harness on their back. It looks almost kind of like the harness that, like, guide dogs, like the dogs who help the blind, um, where it's just the handle is a little bit shorter to give you more stability on the back, on, on the dog's back. But they're not really like a cane where you, like, balance on them and like press down on them. They're more of like a counterbalance. So it's like if I like go to fall one way, they can like kind of pull me back the other way. Oh
1: wow. Last year you won the Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes. What did you win that for?
6: Um so I won that for my nonprofit that I started when I was thirteen.
1: Really? And what does the um, nonprofit do?
6: So it's called Positive Possibility. So it's like P-A-W-S. It's kind of like a play on words. And we raise money to help pay for service dogs for people who can't afford them. Because when I first brought my service dog into the orthopedic surgeon who told me that I would be in a wheelchair by high school. And he wanted to see like, oh, well, like, is this dog going to be like more helpful than like arm crutches? And Uh I was like. Well, I don't know. Like, you have to see for yourself. And when I walked down a hallway barefoot, which I could never have done before, especially without the help of my mom, my surgeon was like, oh, my goodness, I need, like, 20 more of these dogs. <laughs> but service dogs run about ten to $20,000 depending on who you go through. But that's kind of the average range. And most people who need a service dog – have a lot of other medical bills that they have to pay. Yeah. And um, obviously insurance will not cover a service dog, even though they're a medical device. Yet. Wow. Yet. Yeah. Yes. yet, um, And so we decided that we should start something to help other people. And when we first started Positive Possibilities, our plan was maybe to pay for one service dog throughout our high school career and to date we've raised over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars wow and around like nine or ten
1: dogs. Wow. wow how do you decide who gets the service dog
6: so usually people come to me like find me through facebook through even just like interviews like this like they'll hear about us and um or physical therapy places or doctors or whatever um And so they come to us and we talk to them about what a service dog is and how, like, what they would need it for. And kind of I do like the almost kind of like the scaring them out of it because it is a lot of responsibility for um, taking care of a service dog and using one because, I mean, six months into the process with my first service dog, i was about to give up i was like i can't do this anymore this is not going like he was tripping me all the time like i was falling down it was just it was crazy but it's just that's because it's two personalities trying to work together and it's good you're going to have your rough patches and but if you're not willing to take on take it on you need to know now basically so then if i kind of feel like okay well like you clearly seem like you want to take this responsibility on, I will get in contact with the trainers we use. And the trainer kind of makes the final decision because the trainer will know exactly, like, the personalities, what works best, and figure out, like, what they need. And, I mean, we've only had one family that really, a service dog didn't work out for them, and that was just because other things got in the way of their life.
1: Tabitha, we're going to have to take a quick break. We are with Tabitha Bell. She has formed Positive Possibilities. And we're going to find out how these dogs are trained. Stick around. Check out Animal Radio highlights.
0: All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet.
6: Hi, everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please stay or neuter your pets.
7: Attention sports fans. Now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home. With Dish for about 50 bucks a month. free installation as soon as tomorrow but you gotta call all american dish right now
4: 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 that's 800-380-4452
1: it is animal radio we are with tabitha bell she uh she has muscular dystrophy, and she was told that she would have to have a wheelchair by the time she got to high school. Instead, she got a service dog, and it has helped her so much that she is helping others get service dogs. I understand that you're working right now to get a six-year-old diabetic girl a service dog.
6: Yes, and she's finally met her dog named Curly. And so he's being trained out of, I think, the diabetic dogs. Of America or for for America. What does a
1: diabetic service dog do?
6: Okay so they're trained to sense when you are either like having your low blood sugar or your high blood sugar and it's actually pretty easy to train the dog because when you are going low or high um, you let off a pheromone and so to train the dog you give the trainer the clothes that you were wearing when you had one of those episodes. And then they, like, start putting, like, the scent on things. So, like, with the other diabetic alert dog we did, the trainer would basically, like, that's the only way the dog could get his, like, dinner was if he was able to figure out the, the smell. So, like, they would put out, like, three bowls and the bowl that, like, would have the scent would open to his dog food. Oh, that's cool. And, I mean, they're extremely smart. So it's not like they can only be taught to only sniff out, like, a high or a low. Because, like, this little six-year-old, she, her blood sugar is very erratic. So it goes up and down at very extreme levels and just all over the place. And that's the reason why her parents wanted a service dog for her because I guess the monitor she had, like it worked off Wi-Fi. And so, it, I mean, you know, like software and technology yep. is sometimes, yep. <laughs> sometimes a little like unpredictable. And sure. so they want to be able to be notified when she was having that. And she was literally like sleeping in their bed because that's the only way they could keep yeah. an eye on her. Um, yeah. So they're hoping that this would be more, Beneficial, and when that happens, and the dog is trained to like press a button that calls for nine one one or press a button to like call the parents or just bark um, there's a lot of different things the dog can be trained to do on how to alert. actually, my first service dog, Sonny, his sister was a diabetic alert dog for a young woman who was going to college, and so the dog was trained to press a button that called the r a so
1: mm, wow. That's an incredible story. Give out your website so listeners can come by and visit.
6: Yes, it's positive, P A W S I T I V E, possibilities, P A W S I B I L I T I E S dot
1: org. And we'll put links to everything that you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Tabitha, thank you so much. You're an incredible young lady. We salute you here, all of us here at Animal Radio. I know you have a second service dog now, Knox. Yes. Go give Knox a big old hug from all of us, will you?
6: I will, definitely. <laughs> Thank
1: you for spending time with us today. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. And let's take a call for Joey Volani. We have BJ on the phone. Hey, BJ.
9: Hey, how's hey, Joey. What's going on? BJ.
14: Well, I love you on Dogs 101. I just, I love it. i just just you because it's so cool. Thank you. Um, I have a Boston terrorist, <laughs> and he gets dirty ears between his bathings. And I, so I went and bought some real high-toned ear wash, but I don't want to take – I want to deep clean his ears, but how do I do that? Because my groomer says that his ears are dirty.
9: Well, there's a couple of ways you could do it. Um, w- let me ask you, what kind of ear cleanser do you have? Do you know the name by any chance? Royal Treatment. Royal Treatment. Okay, okay. Um, it's one that I, that I um, haven't heard of. Um, if I see it um, and read the ingredients, um, possibly. Because you want to be careful. A lot of these ear cleaners uh, you should just use on, on a cotton swab and wipe out the ear. But if you go to your veterinarian, you can get something called Odie Cleanse which works real good. Now, let's just say that you can't get to your veterinarian and, and you just want to do something in between. What you could do is get yourself a container of witch hazel. They usually come in like 16 ounces, I believe, the one that you just you get in, the, in a regular drugstore. Okay. Some tea tree oil. And and when I say tea tree oil, it's essential oil. You don't want to get a blend of anything. Tea tree oil, what it'll do? do? It'll kill any fungus or bacteria. And you're going to put 20 drops of that tea tree oil right into that witch hazel. What you'll do is you'll take a dropper and just put two to three drops in each ear. Massage the base of the ear. Okay, let him shake his head, wipe it out with a cotton swab, and that'll that'll work wonderfully. Actually, it's um it's something that I use in, in a grooming salon all the time, and okay. that that should take care of your problems and um keep the ears clean. Did they have an odor? No,
14: no, because I'm always okay, kissing so... him on the nose and snuggling him, so I've never smelled it. <laughs> and I know if it okay. smells, there's ear mites.
9: Well, it, not necessarily ear mites, but it could—it could be a start of infection. So that's good that you don't smell anything. But you know what? This will keep his ears squeaky clean. So there you go, and that's the luck with your dog. I, I Boston Terriers are one of my favorites.
1: Aren't they so cute?
9: Thank they really
12: are.
1: Well, it is time for us to get on out of here. Go walk our animals, our flamingos, our hippos. I whatever you have. If you have a Yorkshire terrier, a Shih Tzu, a pug, or a mini schnauzer, go take them for a walk and then pick up Dr. Debbie's Kindle book, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And we've put links over at animalradio.pet. Of course, a great place to visit and download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and Blackberry so you can get your fix whenever you need it, okay? We'll see you next week right here for more Animal Radio.
9: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Until next time, have a good one.